staying motivated. Staying motivated is the blank there. All right, I want to go through some stuff that is not in the lesson before we get to the other points. Fluctuations in how we feel and in how we function are natural. Whether in the new or in the most mature believer, we can find ourselves fluctuating both in our passion for and our pursuit of certain things. So fluctuation, both in how we feel and in how we function, is a natural part of living. But there are some examples in the Bible of people who fluctuated. David fought a giant, and then he acted like a madman when he stood before a king because of how afraid he was. David, the man after God's own heart who walked with God, also had a moment of incredible weakness where he miserably failed and committed even greater sin to cover up that failure. Abraham, who believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness and followed God and left the land that he was familiar to go to, go to a land that he didn't know yet, he then lied about his relationship with his wife because he was afraid someone might harm him in order to have her for themselves. Peter identified Jesus as the Christ and then told him that he didn't know what he was talking about when Jesus started talking about the crucifixion. Peter denied Jesus and then just some months later he preached and thousands were saved. You see, even, even in the spiritual walk, even in the effort to follow Jesus Christ, if you want to talk about any other realm of life, fluctuations are normal. They're a normal part of the, of the human condition. So we understand that there are going to be times when we feel up, and there are times when we feel down. Fluctuations are natural. But internal fluctuations cannot be allowed to drive the way we live our lives. Meaning, you can feel something, but just because you feel that way does not mean that you should allow that to drive how you live your life. For example, on a Wednesday night, most of the time people aren't at church on Wednesday night because they're not tired. You're not at church on a Wednesday night because you've had a perfect week. You're not at church on a Wednesday night because there's nothing else you could be doing with your time. No, usually there are many other things you could be doing with your time. Usually you come and the week has been perhaps good sometimes, but most definitely not perfect. In many cases, it's been a rough week. And you're certainly here even in spite of being tired. So there are fluctuations and there are things that you feel and pressures that you feel. And yet there is something else that is driving your decision. Make sense? Um, uh, you find this out in marriage. Your emotions about that amazing person fluctuate. <sighs> Like before church tonight, Andrea saw me like this. And then I'm like, hey, come up here and help me. <laughs> Emotions can fluctuate. And yet if you're going to have a marriage that honors God, you're, you're not going to allow how you feel 
when you feel in those down moments, you're not going to allow those, fluctu- those internal fluctuations to drive how you treat your spouse. You're going to develop a maturity. You're going to develop a consistency that enables you to function at a certain level, even when you don't feel at that level. Um, so, we got to recognize this, that fluctuations may be natural, but in the Lord's kingdom, they should not be acceptable. Like, feeling it, you can't control, but being driven by it, you can control it. All right, so we have to do what the text says. We have to work at staying motivated, so we have to find motivation. Let me give you some extra scripture that's not written down here. 1 Corinthians 15, 58, Therefore, my beloved brethren, it's okay if you don't always abound in the work of the Lord, and if you kind of get discouraged, then you just quit in the work of the Lord. Is that what that says? <laughs> no. Paul didn't say, hey, it's okay. And when we're talking about abounding in the work of the Lord, we're talking about everything in your life that would be the Lord's work. We're talking about your family. We're talking about your job. We're talking about your hobbies. We're talking about your habits. We're talking about your church. We're talking about everything there. Paul doesn't say under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, yeah, always abound in the work of the Lord, except when you don't want to. It's okay to yell at your wife. It's okay to kick the dog. It's okay to gossip about your husband. It's okay to trash people on Facebook. It's okay to give up and quit and throw in the towel. It's okay to be hit and miss on church. It's okay to do all those things. He doesn't say anything like that no no, he's writing in a time when Roman oppression was a real thing and when poverty was a widespread difficulty and when there were many challenges that were facing people and he says listen you need to remember that your labor in the Lord is not in vain he didn't say it was easy he just said it's not in vain the labor that God gives your life the labor of the Lord involving your marriage and your children and your job and, and your church involvement. That labor is not in vain. It's worth something. It matters. So you need to be steadfast. You know what steadfast is? It's not fluctuating. Okay, let's just, don't get nervous. We've all fluctuated. This isn't like nobody's ever going to, no, we do. But just because we do doesn't mean we shouldn't work at doing it less. Just because we do fluctuate doesn't mean we shouldn't work at being more consistent and less up and down and and up. And so he says, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast. I love this word, unmovable. Meaning what you're doing right now, you'll be doing next week, you'll be doing next month, you'll be doing next year, you'll be doing in, in 10 years, and as long as the Lord gives you years and gives you life, and how you, do, how you perform it may look different, but you're going to be steadfast and abounding in serving God and walking with God. Your life is not going to have these major on-again, off-again fluctuations. You are going to develop some maturity and some motivations. So here's the point is that we can mature to the place that we fluctuate less. That is possible. Yeah, it's possible to grow. Okay, so I, this parenting and, and watching children grow is, is great. A great example of this, you know, when, when a teenager has an attitude problem, I do not lose my mind over that. You know why? Because they're teenagers. And that's why we have them in our home still, so we can help them. You know, my 
my five-year-old slams the door. Number one, it's hilarious. Number two, it's really bad. <laughs> but I'm not saying, oh, I can't believe my five-year-old's acting like that. No, yes, I can. I know who I am. I know, I know from whence he comes. I know, I know what I'm capable of. No, I, under, I, I expect the fluctuations. I expect there to be challenges. I expect there to be up and downs as my children develop and grow. But I want to teach them that you should be responding differently when you're 15 and, and differently than you were when you were five. No, parenting advice, if your kids aren't responding any differently when they're 15 than they were when they were five, that's a problem. And that's primarily a you problem, not a them problem. Because you've had them for 15 years, and it hadn't gotten better. Yes, it is good. <laughs> maybe not, it doesn't maybe feel good, but it is true. You say, well, there are other factors. I understand sometimes, but in most cases, there's, in most cases, there's been neglect. So you expect there to be. Okay, if we expect that to be the case with our teenagers from 5 to 15 then we should expect the same thing of ourselves and our own spiritual journey. You know it's terrible to expect your children or to expect those around you and under you to live up to a certain standard that you are not willing to implement in your own life. That's a bummer. And oftentimes, if I can continue with the parenting for just a moment, oftentimes that contributes to adolescent delinquency when they see the hypocrisy in their parents. They see you holding up a standard for them that you don't implement in other areas of your life. And that'll turn kids off real quick because they are perceptive about those things. So we need to recognize that we can mature to the point that we fluctuate less. Okay, so number one, this, we're, not to the, we're not to what's written in the lesson. Number one, just beware of the tendency that you can fluctuate. Just be aware that it's a tendency. Number two, this is kind of redundant but I feel like there's a little bit of distinction that's valuable. Be honest about your fluctuation. Okay, we can be aware of tendencies and then not be honest about them. What do you mean? Meaning a, a preacher can preach on something that we know we struggle with, and we know we struggle with it, but then we, when we have opportunities to take steps to improve it, we act like we don't have a problem. And we're not, we're not being honest with ourselves, we're not being honest with our spouse or with the Lord, so be honest about it. Number three, be willing to take control of your own maturing process. Recognize that I have to be the one that is willing to take steps to grow. God gives me everything that I need, but I have to be willing to do something with it. Um, I, don't, I don't have the reference written down, but work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. That's not talking about saving yourself. That is talking about allowing the faith of Jesus Christ by which you are saved to be manifested in the way you live your life. And the text means you need to implement his truth and his grace in you into the way that you're living. Live it out. Take responsibility to live it out. So be willing to take control. Number four, we'll get to these in a moment. We consider the, the truths that we're about to look at to help us. Let, let's just get back to the lesson or the subject matter. Many other things we could talk about, but let's just be honest about this. We can fluctuate a lot with witnessing, can't we? Yep. You know, another reason why there's a, a tracked goal 
and why we'll routinely bring it up and try to help all of us be accountable. You know why? Because we struggle. We do. It's up and down. And, and I could be in your seat and I'd be shaking my head saying, yep, you're right, thinking about my own life. I'm up here thinking about how that, man, you can be on and off, on and off, on it. And that can happen in the same day. It's, a, it, it's amazing how long a child of God on their way to heaven, how long they can go between ever trying to talk to people about Jesus Christ. People can literally go months without ever giving somebody a track or trying to be a witness or trying to help somebody know God. It, and and it's, we, we just completely miss it, don't we? Like we fluctuate. You say, man, don't beat it. I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm not beating anybody up. I'm talking about being honest about our tendency to fluctuate. And when it comes to the matter of the gospel and witnessing, we can be really calloused or really distracted or really lacking in focus, and we fluctuate, and we have those times where, man, we really feel it, and we have a burden, and we're going to do something about it, and then there are other times where it's not that we're just intentionally saying no, it's that we're not even thinking about it. We just, it's not that our church is filled with a bunch of rebellious people who sit there and say, I refuse to get involved in this. A lot of times, I believe this is the problem. We just have so many things going on that we fail to think about it other times we're afraid other times we're just burdened down but we we do your pastor all of us we have a tendency to fluctuate in this area and so these truths that the lesson give they can help develop maturity and develop steadfastness both in witnessing and in other areas and I put this in my notes witnessing isn't the only thing that I need to be consistent in in my life And so allow this truth to motivate you in every area of spiritual and eternal importance. And this is the, this is the illustration I have in my mind. Remember, um, he's not in here, Justin. Uh, is early on, I was, I was, he's early on, it picked up on, he was a, he's a really good baseball player. I understand there are lots of really good baseball players, but he's, he picked up really quick on that stuff and was able to get on a, a really competitive team early on. And it just people were noticing, coaches were noticing, man, he's got a lot of natural talent, but that dude is like a stinking gnat. <laughs> All over the place. And he actually got demoted on his team. And you know, and it wasn't permanent, but you know what it was? He's out, he's out there, and the coach is like, all right, do this, and this is Justin. And he was good enough that he was usually able to compensate for his distractedness and still make plays, but there were times when it affected the team and times when the coach is trying to make a point about practice and you gotta, you got to elevate yourself. And so I had to talk, and he's, he's little, obviously he's still young, and he was little when this was happening. I said, and I was trying to teach him this, Justin, you have to take responsibility for what you're doing when you're on that field. You can't, you shouldn't have to have your dad and your mom yelling at you all the time to pay attention because look I don't care that you're six don't you embarrass me no I'm kidding about that I'm kidding about that it's learning it's learning to be self-aware you know what we need to do spiritually we need to learn to be self-aware we need to learn to take responsibility for what we're doing and how we can improve in it so letter a these are things that can motivate us the love of Christ 
2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 15. For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, meaning live life all about themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. We need, we need to be motivated by the love that Jesus Christ has for us. It, pr- it produces consistency. If you don't mind me using a marriage example, babe, one of the things that helps me it to develop, and, and it's still a work in progress, but to develop consistency in my marriage and the way I behave myself is knowing how much she loves me. Do I always feel like I want to do certain things? No, but I know how much my wife loves me, and that motivates. It should motivate if you think about it the right way. No, you should think about how much Jesus loves you. It can't just be some kind of theological idea. It's got to be a real truth in your life. That was the point of the Lord's Supper last night and the way that we did that and trying to make it such a special focused thing is to get a vivid picture of the darkness he encountered so that we could remember how much he loves us. So many times we look at the love of Christ like an academic thing that we put on a fill in the blank or a song that we sang as a child. Yes, Jesus loves me. I know that. But it's just some kind of far off thing. It needs to burn in you that the real God took on real flesh to die on a real cross for your real sins so that you could have eternal life. No one anywhere has ever done anything like that for you. And you should be motivated by that. You're loved. Oh, you, I understand we get down sometimes, but you are loved by the eternal God more than you can comprehend. Great. Now it should motivate you. Letter B, the reality of eternity. Luke 16, a lot of people, a lot of heretics today, these false godless teachers try to interpret this passage as not really meaning what it says it means. Look, let's just be honest. The reality of hell and eternal judgment is a very hard reality. But there are two things you got to keep in mind. Number one, God is a very holy God and has zero tolerance for sin. Number two, God is a very loving God and did everything necessary to keep everyone out of that place. And the fact that it's hard doesn't mean it's not true. And people that say, oh, this was a parable, and there are all these things that, well, it wasn't a parable because there are real people's names that are mentioned here. There's real interaction that takes place. And so this beggar dies. I'm skipping down. The rich man in the middle, the rich man also died and was buried, and in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments. And there was awareness of everything that was going on. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord when you're saved. But to be absent from the body when you're lost, it immediately takes you to, according to the word of God, immediately takes you place to a place of judgment. I don't like that. But I didn't write it. And I'm not God. And can I just be honest, just because this is uncomfortable, we don't get to be selective with what we believe about what the Bible teaches Okay, so if that's true, you probably, I'm, I'm not trying to use this as a pun, 
you probably ought to be a little more fired up to help people know God if his judgment is real. And I'm not saying if in the sense I don't believe it is. I'm saying the fact that it is ought to motivate us to try. You say we're so, I'm not saying, again, this isn't about how many you do. It's do you try? Is there an effort in your life to work at reaching people? Let her see compassion. Matthew 9, this says it in other places, Jesus saw the multitudes and he was moved with compassion on them. You have, to, you have to let God affect your heart. Isn't it easy to get jaded about people? Isn't that easy? You just get tired of them. How can you say that? Okay, you've never gotten tired of people? <laughs> Some of you right now are tired of me. <laughs> you just get tired. We do. People really get on our nerves sometimes. Some of you are being honest right now with your facial expressions. Thank you. All right, it's, it's fine. You think Jesus ever felt the burden of people? Yeah. You, know what, you know what, though, the, the consistency in his life was this. He was moved with compassion for them. Just learn. You've got to ask God. This is really comes down to your willingness to ask God for it. You've got to ask God to help you love people. Look, I, I believe this. I believe this with all of my heart, that God's favorite resource are people. And I'm not, I am so far away from where I need to be, but I ask God to help me to love people. I ask God to help me to love people that are nothing like me. I ask God to help me love people that would hate what we are. I ask God to help me love people. Because whether they're somewhere in the Middle East or whether there's some crazy activism here in the United States, it doesn't matter where they are. Jesus Christ died for them and God loves them. And when you see people, you're the, the number one thing needs to be compassion for them. Letter D, the judgment seat of Christ. You know, I don't, I don't have time. I'm, I'm trying to wrap it up. I, I don't have time to fully elaborate on this, but I think sometimes Christians get this casual attitude. You know, I, I don't mind answering to the Lord for what I've done because I'm going to get into heaven and I'm good. Number one, that's just a godless attitude. That's wrong. But number two, I really think we underestimate how serious that's going to be. And here's, here's the thing. I don't, I don't know what that's going to be like. I don't. But I have this visual in my mind that I'm going to be standing before the one that still bears the scars for what he did for me. And then I'm going to try to justify why I wasn't willing to do certain things for him. I don't, I am thankful. That salvation does not depend upon our works. But we need to take that, we need to take that moment seriously. And I, and I really, it just feels like at times in my own life, in the spiritual temperature of people, we're just, we have this attitude like, look, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm on the salvation train. Praise the Lord for it. But I don't think we're as motivated by that moment both good and bad. Here's, here's the other thing. I, I've implemented this in parenting. 
Because I, I believe, I don't just want to parent from the negative. You know what I mean by that? Sometimes I, sometimes I tell my children, listen, there are these things that need to be done, and if you do them, there will be rewards. There's a difference between rewarding and bribing. I don't, I don't bribe attitudes. I don't bribe conduct. But when I have expectations and I lay them out, now, I, God, Jesus is going to judge our works, some negative and some positive. And we, and we, shouldn't, be, we shouldn't just be motivated by what what we'll have to answer that we failed him in. We should be motivated by this. We can hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Paul said this, there is laid up for me a crown. I mean, you can be motivated by what he can do for us. So you've got, even in your witnessing or any other area, you've got to consider, you've got to consider the, the time when you'll answer to Jesus Christ for how you've lived your life. All right, here's how we're going to conclude. Turn to Ezekiel chapter three, please. I'm done with the, the book. This is the conclusion of this series, and so I'm just going to take a little more time. I just want to, I want to leave you with this image. Witnessing will, as the Lord leads, as the Spirit of God leads, witnessing will come up again through preaching, and even we're going to have some great text to deal with it when we get in, into chapters 2 and 3 in the book of Joshua, somewhere in there dealing with Rahab and how she and her family found deliverance and even how she was responsible for that. We'll, there'll be other application about this, but we're finishing up the outreach series. And I just I want to leave you with this. I understand this is the Old Testament. I understand God is dealing with a prophet here, but the principle is still true here. Look at Ezekiel chapter 3, verse number 17. God speaking to him, and he says, Son of man, I have made thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore, hear the word at my mouth and give them warning from me. Can you look up here for a minute? I understand that sometimes I get loud on Sunday, and I try to work on that. I try to work on my volume when I'm preaching, but you've got to understand I'm not up here performing a show. There are warnings in this book that burden my heart for you. And I've seen what happened in my own life and in the lives of God's people when they reject the truth. You say, what, why, are, why are you so animated? And, and I'm not saying everyone has to be animated to be passionate. I'm just saying in my life and with my personality, sometimes that comes out loud. It's not because I'm angry. It's because I so desperately want you to hear the warning of God in your life. I'm not saying it's always the best delivery. I am saying it's born out of a heart that is concerned for you. God even told his God even told his prophets, you need to herald and you need to cry aloud. Verse 18, when I say unto the wicked, thou shalt surely die, and thou givest him not warning, nor speakest to warn the wicked from his wicked way to save his life, the same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at thine hand. Yet if thou warn the wicked, and he turn not from his wickedness, nor from his wicked way, he shall die in his iniquity, but thou hast delivered thy soul. 
Again, when a righteous man doth turn from his righteousness and commit iniquity, and I lay a stumbling block before him, he shall die. Because thou hast not given him warning, he shall die in his sin, and his righteousness which he hath done shall not be remembered, but his blood will I require at thine hand. Nevertheless, if thou warn the righteous man that the righteous sin not, and he doth not sin, he shall surely live because he is warned. Also thou hast delivered thy soul. Okay, I am not claiming that this perfectly translate into being a witness. I'm not claiming that. And I'm not saying, even trying to give full explanation as to everything that that involved. But here's the principle that is true, Old Testament and New Testament, is that when you have God's truth, you are held accountable for whether or not you are willing to share God's truth with others who need it. That part is true. You know what the truth is in a lot of churches? We have it and don't share it. You know what I love about this passage? The messenger is not responsible for what the recipients do with the message. We're not numbers based. Mm, hallelujah. I was talking to a, a pastor today and it, he, he was telling me, man, on Sunday they had three people walk the aisle and get saved like, man, that's amazing. But then we were talking about how he, another pastor was discouraged because you don't see the, the same numbers. And even, you know, I could think that way. And I've talked to pastors who've said this. I ask them how the day went. And they say, well, nobody got saved. I'm like, that's not the measure of success. That's not the measure of success. Did people praise God? Did the, was the truth preached? Was there fellowship in Jesus Christ? That's a good Sunday. Now, I'm not saying we don't want the other thing, but we can't control all of that. I can't control who shows up, but I can control whether or not I invited them. I can't control who gets saved, but I can control whether or not I've tried to witness to them. So I'm not saying to, that the, the text in Ezekiel perfectly in every way is applicable to this. But the principle of this, that we have the gospel and there are people that need it, we have to be motivated to do something about it because God will hold us accountable for what we did with it, not for whether or not they got saved. That's not what we're held accountable for. We're held accountable for whether or not we were willing to help people know Jesus Christ, give them the truth. So again, you're going to stand one day before the hands that did so much for you. And when it comes to the gospel, when it comes to your marriage, when it comes to your parenting, I want to be able to give a good account. Say, Lord, I wasn't perfect, but I was trying. I'm glad I'm not saved by that. I'm not. I'm not talking about that. But I still want to give a good account because of how much he's done for me. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. I'll ask you to stand in just a moment. Not yet, though. One question. I need God's help to be motivated to consistently live for him in this area of witnessing and other areas. Maybe it's not witnessing, but maybe there are some other areas where you would say, I, I am allowing internal fluctuation to drive my decision-making way more than I need to. I need, I need God's help to develop 
consistency. I need God's help to be motivated through the love of Christ, through the reality of eternity, through compassion for others, through my own accountability at the judgment seat of Christ. I need help to be motivated and to develop consistency, either in this area or some other area. I need that help, and I want, to, I want God to help me with that, and I'm willing to raise my hand and just recognizing that I need that help. Would you raise your hand and say, yeah, that's, that's yep. Well, let's all stand together. My hand's up with you. Got areas I need help in. And so if God has spoken to your heart, you'll be responsive to him while Brother Nate sings. If the Lord has spoken to you, you come to him. right you can direct your attention this way thank you brother nate miss becca god bless you for being here sure i'm thankful uh, for the service tonight and thankful for each one of you being here don't forget uh, about the sound check right after check out the marriage retreat retreat sign up sheet and i'm looking forward to having a great day on sunday i hope y'all have a wonderful end to or finishing up this week and god bless you and look forward to being with you on sunday as the lord is willing let's be in prayer for it and then just come being in the right frame of mind for it. I'm excited. I'm excited to see what God does. And even if we don't see what God does, just remember that God is doing stuff. <laughs> it takes a while to show up sometimes, but God is working. Hallelujah. Brother Nate, you come please and lead us in a closing song. All right, let's close with uh, 481. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. I've been washed in the fountain, cleansed by his blood. Join us with Jesus as we travel this side. For I'm part of the family, the family of God. Amen. You're dismissed. <laughs>